two things. You have to have more water daily and just keep, it's very simple. Take your weight, divide it in half. That's how many ounces. Figure out what container you typically drink out of and how many of those you have to drink a day and just set a simple goal and just increase your body's consumption of water um, to that amount. And I think you'll be very, very surprised uh, when you do that. Then a couple other reminders. Welcome to the Miracle Plant Podcast, the show that inspires, promotes, and gives you a daily dose of inspiration from the people who have used cannabis to change their lives in extraordinary ways. Here's your host, Justin Benton. Welcome back, everybody, to the Take Control of Your Health Summit. We uh, had a great morning here on day two, had an amazing mindset start with uh, Steve Rizzo. He uh, gave us an amazing talk with Superman, Christopher Reeves, and uh, Rodney Dangerfield, and some other stories as a comedian and now a Hall of Fame speaker. So, so excited that we were able to have him join us to kick off the day here in day two, discussing the five pillars of health. So uh, now we are on to pillar number four. Pillar number four is uh, one of those simple ones, kind of like we had on day one with mindfulness and Mika and breathwork. This one is all about pillar number four, which is hydration or water. And so, you know, it seems like a simple one and it seems like one that, you know, why would we want to talk about water? You know, um, but unfortunately, Americans are severely, chronically dehydrated. And uh, it's just something that you don't hear talked about. I No one ever talked about it in school when I was in school. I remember they were talking about drinking so many glasses of milk and food pyramids, but I just don't remember anything about water. So um, we're going to have uh, my mom talk about Janet Benton Gaylord, who is an integrative health nutritionist and um, a researcher of researchers, amongst other holistic healing things and things that she's accomplished in her career. Uh, we're going to talk about water. And uh, it's just such an important part, a foundational pillar in someone's health. Uh, in fact, believe it or not, if, if whatever it is that you're going through, whether it's fatigue or whether it's uh, you name it, um, I can promise you, if you start drinking half of your body weight in pounds, in ounces, every single day, good, clean water, you're going to start feeling a heck of a lot better. And wouldn't you know, uh, your body is going to start working more efficiently and you're going to be able to find that that uh, sometimes ever elusive, elusive homeostasis. So with no further ado, I will welcome my mom back on the stage. We're going to talk about water, water, water and uh, how it is such an important pillar of living a holistic and healthy life. Take it away. You bet. And so my name, besides mom, is Janet Benton Gaylord. I'm Director of Research and Product Development here at 101 CBD. And I've also been a holistic healer, nutritionist, integrative nutritionist, um, and psychologist, and done a lot of things in my life, working to help people be healthy, both physically and mentally. Uh, And water... Um, it is just so not well understood, and our ancestors certainly understood the importance of water, and it's critical. Uh, our bodies developed from water in, in water environment and, you know, did our change into living on land, 
but our basic body functioning is still water-based. And so we think of ourselves as these big solid humans with all bones and muscles, but we're actually 85% of our body is water. I'll say that one more time. 85% of our body is water. And actually our bones and ligaments just provide the framework or the container uh, for our body's internal processes to function. And they are essentially water-based you know, interactions and chemical reactions and enzyme reactions and digestive reactions and elimination reactions, and they are water-based. And so instead of thinking we're these big solid people, we are actually just a framework carrying around enough water to carry all of our body processes. And I think we see ourselves as these solid humans and think, oh, we just must need more food. And we've totally forgotten that we need more water. What is, what is it they say you can go, I can't remember how long it is without food, but like three weeks, but the most you can go is three days without water. And so it is incredibly essential and we need as Americans especially to start taking it seriously and start getting enough water. Um, and as Justin mentioned, the majority of Americans do not get enough water. And so many people think that water uh, is the same as any fluid. And so I see people drinking tons of coffee and tea and pop and beer and seltzer water and all kinds of other liquids or juices or flavored waters. Um, but they're not the same thing as drinking the water that our body needs. Believe me, for millions of years, we weren't drinking soda um, or pop or anything like that. And then another thing that many Americans are drinking now instead of just plain water are the carbonated waters. I just read recently where um, seltzer water, which is kind of an interesting combination, can include sugars and sodium and some have caffeine. It is now the most popular water that is being sold and it's like over a hundred billion dollar business is where it's headed and so as we get thirsty for some reason we still always want something to taste good um, all right looks like she may have pushed a button here so we'll see if she comes back but yeah uh, again like she was talking about uh, water is so important. Um, it, it's just foundational. And again, to do the real simple math, uh, you're looking at if you're, let's say, a 200-pound person, you should be drinking 100 ounces of water each and every day. And, uh, you know, like she was saying, it, it's really just focused on water. So it uh, looks like she's back and uh, getting connected back up here. But uh, it's just so critically important for people. Can you activate me again? Can you show video? No. Okie dokie. All right, you're good. There I am. A phone call came in and just knocked me totally out of the seminar. Good to know. So where was I? Uh, just talking about the flavored waters, the seltzer waters, all the different kinds of waters, and also all the coffees and pops and teas and everything we drink. And we're not getting down to the basic idea of water. 
And so, as I mentioned, the seltzers and all these flavored waters are hugely popular um, and they contain a lot of different things. And even there's discussion is, is carbonated water like people have, I don't remember the name of it, a little appliance that they add carbonated bubbles to their water. And so just the plain water with just carbonated bubbles um, is the healthiest of those types of waters. But again, there's not really a good reason to do that. And also it can uh, interfere with ghrelin, which is a enzyme or excuse me, a hormone, it's our hunger hormone. And so drinking too much carbonated water can actually then make us hungry and put on weight. So for that reason, um, it's not a great idea. Um, also, if you have IBS or stomach issues, drinking carbonated water can actually irritate and exacerbate that. Um, so again, too, it's just really important. So un-American apparently, but to just drink plain water. And it is definitely the healthiest option. And so many of the flavored pops or drinks or the thing we're doing, they require digestion too. So again, too, it's not coming into the body as water that our bodies can use right away. And another problem we have with water in America is that we have gotten for some reason to want ice water or super cold water. And Americans started using ice in their drinks on a large scale with introduction of like Coca-Cola and other pops. Um, mainly to mask the taste. And so if you've ever had a soda and just let it sit and then take a sip of it when it's totally without ice and it's warm, you realize how actually terrible it tastes and you wouldn't even drink it. And so ice became super popular in America and still is um, because of uh, soda or pop. And then now it's kind of carried over and everybody even wants ice water. And you go to a restaurant, almost always you get ice water unless you ask for room temperature water. Um, and now everybody has like uh, ice cubes in the freezer or everybody has refrigerators that give you the ice cubes and the cold water. And it's again, too, it seems to be more of an American thing. Um, in Europe, ice is far less common. I know when I was over there, uh, the only time ice was ever offered to me is when they thought, figured out I wasn't American. Uh, I was with my daughter who spoke fluent French. And so they did not figure out who we were. And again, too, so other countries have not bought into the ice as much as we have. And the problem with ice water is it's stressful for the body. Uh, it has to use extra time and energy to heat the cold ice water to up to 98.6 degrees before it can then you know, incorporate it into the body. So again, too, you're adding extra stress and time by drinking that ice water. And I know it's very, very habit forming. Uh, but again, too, if you want to be drinking water and you want it for health, just drink room temperature water. Um, another issue with water is people say, oh, I had some water with dinner. Uh, water works best if it's taken alone and given 30 minutes to go through the digestive system before you add in solid foods. And also you can then drink water two hours after your meal, after your food is digested. So drink your water at least 30 minutes before a meal or a couple hours afterward so that it doesn't interfere with digestion. And the problem with drinking liquids during a meal is it dilutes the digestive enzymes 
and therefore dilutes the effective breaking down of our food to the forms we need to be assimilated and used by the body. And we talked about that this morning in the nutrition portion that our body has to break things down into the amino acids and the fatty acids and the glucose before it can be utilized in the body. And if you're diluting the digestive enzymes and, and acid, acidic juices and things to break it down, again, you're interfering with the critical function of our body to break the food down into the level it can be used by the body and also that can be eliminated by the body. <clears throat> uh, but sadly, choosing a water without negative impacts on our health is, is a huge problem. And so the first step is just drink water and go away from the flavors and the additives. Beer and coffee and pop don't count. Uh, they're liquid, but liquid and water are not the same. So if you can just make the step to adding in more water, you've made a huge step and you're way ahead of the people that aren't drinking enough water. Um, but then once you decide you just want to have water and the healthy water, uh, then you have to start doing some more research and realizing that it's pretty hard to find good water. Uh, any city water or tap water, um, you can look online and just search your water level or call your local water board and find out what's in it. Um, I am from the Midwest, for instance, and our water in our city is one of the top five worst waters um, in the country. And that's a common problem in rural areas or areas, cities adjacent to wherever there's agriculture, because all the nitrates and nitrites that are used in the fertilizers, obviously with rain and watering, they're gonna go down into the water system and become a part of our water system. Then we pump the water up and then we drink it. And then it can go through all these filters, but it does not filter out the nitrates and the nitrites. So be sure to check out your water quality of your city uh, before you uh, start drinking that heavily. And the common pollutants you find in the city waters or any kind of water in a organized village um, is arsenic for one thing, very poisonous, nitrites and nitrates, which are related to cancer, especially um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I remember reading a study back in the 1980s that they correlated non-Hodgkin's lymphoma with nitrates and nitrites. And sadly, my parents lived in a small town and they'd even warned people, don't give the water to babies under six months, which should have been a warning, don't drink the water. But my parents did and my mother did and she did end up with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and passed away from it. And my dad was so upset when I explained it to him afterward. He goes, oh, I think I read that somewhere, but you just don't think about it. You just used to, you know, drinking your water and not worrying about the water. Um, and the last thing in the water that's commonly found a pollutant is chlorine. And again, too, chlorine is very bad for our bodies and uh, is even taking showers and unfiltered water can get that chlorine um, in the air, especially in hot steamy area. And so again, too, um, the sad part about water control is you can get water information from your local city, whoever runs your water board. But the uh, analysis of water is controlled by the EPA. But again, too many pollutants still remain in it. And health effects that you get from water contaminants, you can have like upset stomach, 
developmental or reproductive effects, which is huge, and neurological effects and organ damage. So it's not just a little something that's going to give you a headache or something. It's literally these are very powerful uh, pollutants that can literally affect um, our reproduction. I know they proved many years ago in Lake Okeechobee in Florida that was just flooded with runoff from growing sugar cane and various crops that the alligators that were living there uh, became less and less and less able to reproduce. And in America, we have a 38% drop in our reproduction rates, just I believe in the last 10 years. And again, too, it can be very much related to water that is polluted with all these toxic chemicals. Um, and it's been quite well shown that these types of things, especially that you should go and have your Roundup in there and all those sorts of things. Um, and so again, too, the people in rural areas need to be aware, but people in the cities too, because so much of the water table all mixes together, you can still have the same problems there. And then a very interesting pollutant in our water is called PPCP uh, for pharmaceutical and personal care contaminants. I remember reading a study it's kind of a funny one um, about the people who put up porta potties like at big conferences and all those different, you know, big group events we go to. And they found as they emptied them that so many of the pills and vitamins and things that we take uh, were still there fully whole um, in the porta potties. In other words, our bodies weren't digesting them. And so normally in your home, then they just go into the system, the water system. And so there's always some level of, you know, if I was taking a drug of any sort or it would be in there. And then also our different things like our sunscreen and our shampoos and our conditioners and all the different things we rub on or face creams or anything like that. They are going into our water system and our current level of water filtering does not take those out. So you have negative chemicals, you have farm runoff chemicals. And then you have the pharmaceutical and personal care uh, contaminants in the water. Um, and these contaminants are not like the innocent things. They can lead again to birth defects and cancer. They're hormone disruptors, which relates to anything related to hormones, including early onset of puberty and things like that and trouble with reproductive health. Um, and so many of us have heard about this or kind of figured it out. And so if you have the extra money, then you, you switch to bottled water. Uh, and then the bottled water is even less controlled uh, than uh, stream water or water in your city water. Um, it's under the FDA, but there is no requirements to report quality data to any federal agency or the public. So all the bottled water out there is under no obligation to report what's in it or where they got it or what pollutants are in it or if it's actually what it says on the bottle. And many public reports have shown that a lot of the waters in all these fancy bottles are just tap water. Or, the, or Nestle is famous for going into an area and pulling out their spring water and taking the water supplies from a local area and then selling it back um, as nice bottled water. Uh, and the other problem with the bottled water besides the quality, uh, and then there's just a ton, if you walk into the store trying to decide, you know, there's alkaline water and ionized water and all these different waters and flavored waters of all sorts. Um, 
we are kind of run, I think, obviously by corporations and trying to sell us things. This has gotten incredibly confusing what actually to get. So again, remember, plain water. Um, but going to the plastic bottles gets us away from the tap water, which can be bad for us. But once you go to plastic bottles, then you have uh, leaching of the plastic. And remember, plastic is made out of crude oil. Um, you have the leaching of the plastic into the water. And this is especially a problem if the bottles get warm. So we've heard like if you have a water bottle in your car and it's hot and sunny and the car is hot, then don't drink that water. But what we don't realize is massive quantities of bottled water are like stacked up in warehouses or stacked up outside of warehouses or stacked up in the stores. And they're going to get warm that way before they ever get anywhere near us. And also the problem with uh, plastic use um, has resulted in the plastic pollution. And we read about it a lot more now than we used to. But there's plastic pollution in the ocean. We hear about these big, huge island that's just nothing but plastic. And it's a combination of like straws, by the way, is not a huge problem. They're pretty minuscule percentage. But bottles, and then actually, sadly, fishing gear is a big part of that plastic problem. But every plastic single use we'd use, for one thing, um, it does not biodegrade. And then you, it gets washed in the ocean, and, and then it, you end up with microplastics. And the microplastics are broken down portions of our plastic bottles are in our air, we're breathing them, they're in our water that we drink getting inside our body. And they're in the ocean water where they are harmful to animals and plants there. And they're also in the soil. And so I don't think when people started making plastic that they had any idea when you create something totally unnatural that the environment can't break down, uh, you are creating a very, very long-term problem and I haven't seen where there's been at this point, huge efforts to truly cut back on plastic bottles. I think individually as people, we have to do that because they will, as long as we buy bottled water, it will be for sale. And then another sad problem with water is, so if you understand, yes, tap water's not great, the bottled water's not great. So I will just get a filter and then I will filter my water and then it'll be fine for me. And so you see this range of filters. One of them is the one that's in refrigerator doors that a lot of people use. I'm sorry, it's not a good strong filter. Uh, it may get out a few things, but it is not going to filter your water to a level of purity that would really make a difference. Uh, and then you find these pitchers, you just buy a pitcher and supposedly pour it in and it's filtered. That's just not true. Again, too, it's not going to filter out the majority of things that are in it. And then some people have a faucet attachment they put on. Um, there's also some more complex filters that you can have huge units under your sink that are reverse osmosis or with charcoal filters or with ultraviolet lights. And if you get to a point where you have enough of that, where you have a large osmosis filter with a, car with a charcoal filter and ultraviolet lights at the end, you're gonna end up with better water. But again, you're not going to get everything out of it. Um, I personally, my ideal water source is a home top, a home countertop water distiller. Um, you can get them for under $100 at Amazon or Sears or anything. And I like the ones that have a stainless steel container on one side, because it's a nice, no plastic involved. And you add the water in and then it heats it, cool air, and it then comes over the other side for you to drink. And as I say, it's 
two H's and an O because once it's evaporated, it doesn't bring the things, anything bad with it. It's just the plain water that comes over. And so the distilled water is my choice. If I don't have my cutter top with me or whatever, then I do buy distilled water. But as you know, you can't buy that except in plastic. Um, so again, too, my, my gold standard is finding a pure water without a plastic bottle. And so I get pretty close with the home, the distilled water. Um, and there are some people that say distilled water uh, will leach calcium from your bones. And there was one guy who said that in 1984, and he's the only person who's ever said it from, from all the research I've done. And so I do not worry about that one man. Um, what it will do, however, is if you have arthritis in your hands, which is often like calcium or calcified buildup on your joints, it will break down that that's outside the bloodstream. It will help remove that. So I often recommend people with arthritis drink distilled water. And just like we give babies distilled water because it's a pure water, um, then it's fine for us too. If you're recommending it for infants, it's certainly fine for a person my size. And so again, too, that's my recommended water. And just the best solution I found so far is just get a, a, a countertop water distiller. If you have a bigger family, you have to get a little bit bigger one. Um, but again, too, that's the closest I've come to an ideal water that has nothing added and is as pure as you can get water. Um, I guess you could catch rainwater in a stainless steel <laughs> container, and that would be ideal. Um, I'm not sure it's even legal anymore. I read for some states where you aren't allowed to catch rainwater. Um, and as Justin mentioned, a, a huge point of uh, getting enough water with our body full of 85% water um, is to take your weight, divide it in half, and that's how many ounces you should drink. And for me, it's about half a gallon um, of water a day. And so if you just take time, do a little bit of math, how many, do I have a 16 ounce container I drink it out of and how many of those do I need in a day? And just some at the end of the day, did I meet the goal, yes or no? And you'll find your body is just so much healthier. Uh, one thing we often do is we confuse uh, being hungry with being thirsty. And so we don't tend to even think about being thirsty whenever we feel something, that we need something, we always think food. And which again, encourages to overeat and be overweight instead of actually thinking about water. Um, so the next time you feel hungry, here's just a quick way to tell, just drink like eight ounces of water. And I know it's hard, but wait 30 minutes and see, am I still hungry? Because so often you're not hungry, you are just thirsty. And we have learned to totally ignore the signs that we are hungry, excuse me, that we are thirsty. And a lot of information about water came out in this book. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't have the title with me, but just something about how your body's crying out for water. And it was written by a doctor, I believe in Iran, who was rounded up and placed in prison for three years under one of the regimes. And he had nothing to help people with but water. And so he cured so many people of like ulcers and all kinds of illnesses just by giving them a lot of water every day. And that made him realize too, so many of our problems are related to water and it's way more powerful than we ever 
gave it credit for. And it seems too simple uh, for us to think, oh, water, we just need more water. But most of us live in a constant state of dehydration. And so many of our body processes are unable to work without enough water for all the functions that our body performs. And so that is just critical that we start adding more water into our diet. Um, and again, too, it's hard to find perfect. And so I get kind of on a continuum. If you can find, you know, make your own distilled water or buy distilled water, or if you can figure out if the water in your city is good. I haven't come across too many cities that have good water. I hear New York City might have the best water. It literally has reservoirs and different things up in the mountains where they hold their water and then bring it down when it's needed to stop flooding of water and things. And so I keep hearing New York City has good water. Uh, but again, uh, most places do not. So there's just two things. You have to have more water daily and just keep, it's very simple. Take your weight, divide it in half. That's how many ounces. Figure out what container you typically drink out of and how many of those you have to drink a day and just set a simple goal and just increase your body's consumption of water um, to that amount. And I think you'll be very, very surprised uh, when you do that. And then a couple other reminders, again, don't be putting ice in your water. Your body needs room temperature water. And also don't be drinking water or liquids with your meals. And I notice every restaurant we go to, they always ask if you want water or bring out water. And I will have the water if I'm going to drink it and then wait 30 minutes before I eat. But usually I'm hungry, so I don't do that. So I just ask for, you know, no water. I want to eat and I'll have the water later because I don't need the water to dilute the effectiveness of my digestion. So again, too, no ice water, half your weight in ounces for you to drink to get the ideal amount in your body. And just always keep looking and kind of researching on your own, uh, trying to find a high quality water uh, that's been tested. I'm assuming, I guess there's places you can send water in to be tested. We might have to start doing that on our own uh, to find water that we can trust, especially as like bottled water is, not, is literally not controlled. And every so often you will hear about some bottled water was found with some pollutants in it. Uh, and again, too, I'm very upset with the bottled water because of the plastic. And also so many companies literally are just reselling us tap water or pulling out spring water, underground water from areas and then kind of taking it all away and then selling it to people. So try to find a way that you're not drinking out of plastic bottles and find a way that you're getting the amount of water you need every day. Great stuff. Again, I know that people, you know, we, we, we just don't, who, who's educating us about these kinds of things. And it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, we talk a lot about the red pill and the blue pill from Alice in Wonderland or the more modern uh, interpretation is from the matrix. And, um, you know, I, I, there was definitely a simpler time, you know, back in the fifties and the forties and in the sixties, um, when there was just uh, maybe just a more wholesome um, understanding of life. And there was people that worked on the farm and people that had gardens in the backyard and, 
the, the family doctor was uh, someone you knew and you would see at dinner and you'd yeah. have them over and they'd, you know, know the name of your pets and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, something obviously happened and, uh, you know, we, the information that started getting disseminated, be it through television or radio or uh, consumerism or something along the ways where we kind of got out of touch with just these basics. And that's why we're having this summit, Take Control of Your Health is that we need to get back to the basic five pillars of health, take control of our own health, take responsibility for our own health. Unfortunately, by attending this summit, you have now been exposed to the information that you need to take control of your health. So now it's squarely on you, whether or not you're healthy or you're not healthy. And uh, you'll be consciously making those decisions. Um, and so water being such an important um, you know, pillar that we wanted to focus on that as well as, um, you know, and there's, and sometimes look, we, there's no such thing as perfection. There's, there is progress. And so we're, we're not saying that you have to implement all of these things tonight or tomorrow. What we're saying is, um, you know, do your own research and, and, and come to your own conclusions and understand your own philosophies that, that, that work, that work, for you and test your own body. Everyone has different bodies. Everyone has different receptors. Then you need to understand yours. And for me, and there's things that you just identify with. Like I said, if you ever want to make a change in your life, um, shift your identity because that's how you do it. And what do you identify with? And what are what is your identity? Like for me, like some of us, we've just been sold and uh, we've been sold a bill of goods that weren't, isn't necessarily true, but like one identity for me is like, I like Fiji water and I buy the story that it sits in that water reservoir down there. And yes, it may be in plastic and yes, they get some of the BPA out of there, but don't beat yourself up if it's like, you can't have like, wouldn't it be great if we, yes, we all collected rainwater all the time and we had it in the back and we kept it clean and safe for bacteria and animals and and all that. And you can do it, you know, and these are ideas for you to try and, and, and to figure out what makes the most sense for you. And, uh, you know, do your research on the reverse osmosis and do your research on uh, distilled and natural spring water and and, um, uh, and all of that. And, and I know as far as like the natural spring water, again, to me, that's just something that makes sense uh, with the way that I look at things. Um, but I know you were saying in the past, I mean, obviously, you need to make sure that I was looking at natural uh, springs around here in California. There's a couple up in Ojai, up in the mountains. One of them I couldn't find. I found the spring, but there wasn't a spigot. Another one I found, and I looked at the water table, and they uh, they had left, you know, what was in it. And I think it was uh, was it, it was either arsenic or chromium or something. It was a little higher than it was supposed to be. So because I was looking, I'm always looking for the best possible source of everything. Um, but I know, what was your take on natural spring waters that you didn't think that uh, the minerals were going to be digested in our bodies? It wasn't, wasn't up to, up to, the, to Janet's uh, uh, seal of approval? Um, yes, I'll try to talk because I think somebody's mowing the yard behind me. Um, yes, there's a misunderstanding about water that people use against distilled water because they say you need the minerals to get your minerals but really only, so the minerals in water are like broken down pieces of rock and only plants can take rocks or minerals and turn them into bioavailable minerals for humans. And so you are better to get your trace minerals and your minerals from eating vegetables. 
and eating greens especially than you can from the bits of minerals that are in water because your body is not going to be able to assimilate them. So again, too, you get your plants in your minerals from like juicing and eating greens. And so you do not need them in your water. I've been drinking distilled water for decades and I'm very healthy and I don't have any osteoporosis and I don't have arthritis and I don't have any of those things people would warn you about doing it. Uh, so again, I agree with, um, with drinking. And spring water is fine. It's not going to hurt you. Just don't act like distilled water is terrible because it doesn't have those minerals. Um, as you mentioned, with spring water, the problem is finding a pure source. And that's just gotten really, really hard when so much of our water table is ruined with runoff from agriculture or spraying the lemon trees or all those different things we do now for chemical big egg or runoff from cat feedlots, which are massive now. And so it's really hard to find maybe way up in the mountains, you could find a, a spring and, and get some true spring water there. I know a company whose products I love called Sunrider, uh, they had found like a spring and were for their own use and for all their processing in their plant, were using that spring water because it was a high quality spring water. But yeah, and I like Fiji water, by the way. Um, if I'm going to buy bottled water, um, just to go or whatever, I always get the Fiji water. Me too, I like it. And I highly recommend uh, going to Fiji and drinking the water there too. I, I think they sell Fiji water there, but I don't even remember. I think they do, but that's where it all comes from. There's a reservoir that they pull all the water out of and ship it all over the place. Uh, it's actually where I went on a honeymoon so that was a good time to go and it's only a 10-hour flight from LA so go check it out BG's fun um so yeah I mean and water obviously being such an important pillar and that we wanted to give it the attention that you want feel free to ask any questions and throw them in there you know a, a big tip is putting that lemon in the water that lemon itself is acidic on the pH balance but when our bodies uh, digested and interpreted, it actually becomes an alkaline. So I know for growing cannabis, which is what we're talking about a lot in here, uh, the pH usually wants to be for cannabis, wants to be somewhere between 5.5 pH and 6.5 pH, depending upon a couple of different things, mostly indoor cannabis, it usually is lower, closer to 5.5 or 5.8. And outdoor cannabis tends to be a little bit higher, closer to 6.2 to 6.5, give or take. And so, um, but the human um, pH, as you were told earlier, is closer to 7.4. And uh, a lot of the things that we drink, unfortunately, are acidic. And so we just gotta, we don't have our own pH meters like we do with the plants. It's pretty easy. You just put a little white and blue pen in there and it tells you a digital readout. So I think, uh, um, you know, making sure that you're making good choices for alkalinity uh, is uh, is definitely uh, a good way to go. I know a lot of people talk about alkaline alkaline water, um, and I've heard some different camps. Um, some people, you know, again, that's the thing is you're going to hear a lot of different information from people. Um, when Clubhouse was really popular, it was great hanging out with a bunch of naturopaths and holistic folks. And um, there was even there's always going to be a little this and that, you know, some people really think alkaline water is really helpful for them because they have such an acidic diet. 
Um, but then others will say that if you have too much alkaline water and it's all you're drinking is 9.0 pH alkaline water because uh, that pH level for water, uh, true neutral is 7.0. And so for our bodies, you're talking 7.4. And then if you go on the other side of anything higher than 7.0 is considered alkaline, anything under 7.0 is considered acidic. So do you have uh, any thoughts on the, the alkaline thing? What I've heard and what people have discussed back and forth is that there can be some like, um, can lead to some like, you know, candida, it can lead into just over uh, being, being drinking lots and lots and only alkaline water, uh, again, might not be the best thing possible. Uh, you know, it might be one of those situations where things in moderation are, are, are best, where maybe you're not drinking only 9.0 water all the time. Right. And I agree. And Part of it, I just more and more, the more I do any kind of research on nutrition or our diets or our habits, we're all so commercially driven. I mean, there's massive corporations, international corporations, whose only thing is profit and profit for their shareholders. And so they are very, very clever at the ways they have us buy into all these different ideas and all their different advertising ways to get us to buy that and buy this. Um, I don't drink alkaline water. Why would you make it harder for your body? Your body wants to be at 7.4. So why would you drink a nine? And if the problem is you eat too much meat and too many acidic foods, then change that. But trying to compensate. And like you said, we don't have, I can't look at my fingers and say, oh, I'm a 7.1 today. Um, so how would you guess, you know, that, oh, I'm too acidic and I should drink this or how much is too much? When should I stop drinking it? So the point is just drink plain water. It's not difficult. Our ancestors who couldn't read or write or speak complex sentences knew just to drink plain water. And then sadly, what's happened in our generation is that so much of the water has been polluted and poisoned that it's hard to actually just drink plain water. And it reminds me of what you were saying earlier about there was an easier time. Uh, when I grew up and I was on a farm when I was young, um, you just didn't spray everything. You wanted the land to go from generation to generation, from your grandfather to your father or to sons. And so you knew the earth was like our stomach microbiome. If you put a bunch of antibiotics or sprays or things on it, you would ruin all the you know microbiome type creatures or whatever that are in our soil too. And so we did wait, go from when you could just get water on the local creek and it was safe to drink it and you could, you know, pick fruit off the tree and it would be healthy until now pretty much everything everywhere, unless you can find something organic somewhere, um, has been altered negatively to negatively impact our health and our body. And water is just another very clear example of that. I mean, how hard it is to find water. I used to say it was easier for our ancestors to find, you know, a dinosaur or whatever they, probably not dinosaurs, uh, mastodon, um, it, to, for their diet than it is for me to find a healthy organic variety diet and healthy water. Um, it's exhausting sometimes to go into a store, even stores that purport to be like organic health food stores, and you have to look at every single thing and read every label to find something healthy. And the same with water. I just cannot believe their proliferation of waters after water, after water, after water. And every one of them has some thing in it that they're using it to sell, you know, to have it differentiate it from other water to sell it. 
Uh, I'm not finding too many people making anything anymore that's actually for our health and not for them to have a reason to sell it. So again, do I just say over and over the pure water and even I like lemon water in the morning, but now I always have a full glass of just water. I sit it by my bed. I have one before I go to bed and I have another one waiting when I start in the morning. And so even if you're very um, addicted, I shall say, to coffee and find it a wonderful substance, uh, at least when you get up in the morning, have a big glass of water. Eight ounces is fine. And then just wait a while for that to go through your body, give water to all the processes in your body that need it. And then if you still crave the coffee, then you know go ahead and do it. But at least start out positive with water. And then, you know, after you eat a couple hours later when the you know, food's through, then have more water, uh, have water half hour before dinner. So it has time to go through to have your body in shape and then eat the food. And so don't combine food with your meal, don't put ice in your water. You know, there's just yeah, water, not with your meal, water without ice, water room temperature, plain water. And then again, half your body weight, that's how many ounces. And I think even making those changes in your type of water and how you use water can have one of the strongest effects on our health. Uh, the next, of course, being my organic plant-based approach to life. But again, too, we've got to turn around with so many Americans sick. I can't believe the stats on how many Americans, especially as we get older, that are eating so many uh, pharmaceuticals every day. And the sheer number of people who the majority of their food is fast food or restaurant food. I remember when I was being an integrative health coach, I would ask people like what fruits and vegetables they were eating. And they said, well, there's uh, lettuce and tomato on my Big Mac. And I would ask them to drink like three glasses of water a day and one organic apple. And it was often either one of those things was often too much for people to change. We're so emotionally attached and habitually attached and addicted to our ways of eating that aren't healthy, that it's a huge change in your life. And that's why I'm excited that we're putting together some groups, you said, and some coaching, because it's hard to make big changes alone. It's easy to be gung-ho with your willpower in the beginning, but unless you have a support group and unless you have a plan, unless you have a good understanding of why you're doing it, uh, your, your hope for taking charge of your health can start to fade away. Uh, so the first step is getting the information and the next step is understanding it and then uh, implementing it. And that's where you need the support to implement it, especially long term. Absolutely. And on that note, too, um, like I said, we're as far as accountability goes, this this information you won't be finding anywhere else. We wanted to bring in the world's leading experts on the five pillars of health. Today, we're talking about pillar number four, which is hydration of water. And uh, if you go and look in the, in the chat right now, I just put in a link. And this is a 10-day water challenge. And uh, it's, a, it's a, 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 another um, inner circle uh, mastermind friend of mine, uh, Alex, and he has had incredible success. And uh, he will help you and we'll all be a part of this together to do this 10-day water challenge. And uh, we'll have daily reminders and there's community that we can all be a part of and uh, be supported as we go through this 10 day water challenge. Now, the good news is you can still eat food. <laughs> <laughs> there are water challenges out there that um, are much more aggressive 
And uh, there's like a five day water challenge where all you consume is water for five days, which uh, do your own homework and, and proceed at your own pace. But this is just a, a 10 day water challenge where we'll be all drinking water for the next 10 days and reporting back. And it's a great to do a before and after, um, you know, of even just your face and see where you are now and see where you are in 10 days from now after you drink water for 10 days and just just choose water for 10 days. And for those of you out there that are like, you're nuts, I can't go without caffeine or coffee or any of these other things. Well, just kind of ruin it for you. Caffeine doesn't actually give you energy. It only takes away the part of your brain that thinks you're tired. So it's really more of a habit that we get into. It's kind of like our parents did it and their parents did it. So we do it. Like the reason why you cut off the part of the ham when the mom asked her mom, why do we always cut off the part of the ham? And she asked her mom, who was grandma, and she said, well, the ham didn't fit in the pan. And so, you know, it's the same things here is where, you know, if you're a, I've got young kids, and I'm sure when you were younger, any of us who took a drink of coffee weren't like, my God, that's good. Put down the chocolate milk. Give me the coffee. Coffee tastes horrible. But because we become so conditioned and, and all those kinds of things, it's extremely acidic. Um, I'm just letting you know you're not exactly missing anything. And so uh, it's not giving you that energy that you think it is. All it is is making your brain uh, is eliminating the part of the brain that thinks you're tired. And in the morning, you're not tired. You're up. So uh, anywho, um, we're going to do the 10 day water challenge. Go in there. It's getthirstynow.com and um, get started. Let's do this thing together. You've now got access to this information and now it's time to put it into uh, actual execution. It's time to put it into play. And so I'll be doing it for the next 10 days and I encourage all of you to do it as well. And let's see some before and after pictures because I think you're going to be pretty surprised. And uh, don't be surprised if you hop on the scale too. And there's a few less uh, LVs on there as well. Uh, and the water challenges, um, you know, it's the same thing. It's cut your, your, your body weight in half and drink that in ounces and just defer to water for the next 10 days and uh, let us know how it goes. And um, we'd love to hear how you feel, your energy, all of those kinds of things by just drinking more water, doing nothing else, changing nothing else but the water um, as, your, uh, as your option to choose. So we will be doing that. And uh, that uh, precludes the, the water pillar uh, that we, hydration that we're talking about. Did you have anything uh, to add before we uh, wrap up the water and hydration, Janet? Oh, just that, again, too, for hydration, coffee uh, dehydrates you. And anybody in my family knows, I just, for some reason, I never got on the coffee bandwagon. For one thing, it's way too powerful me, for me. If I drink coffee in the morning, I'm awake the entire night. Um, and another research I've done on coffee is that when you drink coffee initially, you get this kind of upper buzz or whatever. But after even three days of drinking coffee, what it's doing now is you start now below where you even were. It's just bringing you up to normal. But when you are addicted to it, yeah, you just, people think, oh, I'm getting so energized for it. But literally, it's just bringing you up to what you normally used to be. But, and especially, I remember when they made the change where coffee, when they added in, like, all the flavors, and then you have the cream, which is fat, so then all the sugars. And so caffeine plus sugars plus fats is an incredibly addictive combination. I remember a friend of mine, Joyce, who you remember, who suddenly was taking a new way to work. And I said, why are you going that way? She said, well, this gas station 
has this new kind of coffee that has all these great flavors and creams in it. And so immediately she was hooked and would drive way out of her way. And if you've ever gone through or buy a Starbucks day or night, uh, there's this huge line of people um, because that's just it. The flavor and the, the, the fatty acids and the sugar caffeine combination is pretty hard to overcome. So I would, I would be surprised if even 50% of the people that did a 10 day water only challenge made it through, but I'm fascinated to see uh, how many people can do it. Absolutely. Well, we'll see. And you know what, there is no such thing. We're not, uh, the standard is not perfection. It is progress. So the best you can do is good. Fine enough by me is fine enough for you too. And we always say, don't never measure yourself against someone else. Always measure yourself against yesterday and you'll be doing just fine. If you get 1% better every single day, just 1% better than you were yesterday, by the end of the year, year you will be, uh, uh, what is it, 37 times better than you were <laughs> on day one. So 1% better and uh, take the 10-day water challenge. I'll be taking it. I encourage everyone to take it as well and uh, keep us up to speed. We want to hear how it goes for you. And uh, I just wanted to uh, thank my mom, Janet Ben Gailey, for coming on and uh, helping out. I know you were a little under the weather, so it's excited to have you on. There must be something going on in the world because uh, you were under the weather and Dr. William Courtney was under the weather. So anyways, weird. Oh, I guess it's that time of year, seasonal traveling. Uh, yeah. But anywho, so, um, but yeah, ha happy to hear that you're feeling better and, uh, hope, and I wish Dr. William Courtney a speedy recovery as well. And of course we have all the confidence in the world we can bounce back quicker and healthier than ever because of this miracle plant that helps us get through these little bugs that we get from time to time. So uh, with that, um, go ahead. I want to just add quickly. So yes, I was very ill Thursday night. I, all I did was drink water and had a little bit of fruit, many just drink water. And I took CBDA every two hours. And I went from sick and feverish and nauseous to fine uh, in less than 24 hours. And so, again, too, the water was critical and the CBDA was critical as an anti-inflammatory and antioxidant in, in balancing my immune system. And so many people get sick and stay sick a long time. And so it's just amazing to me that I feel like I have found some of the magic at the end of the rainbow uh, that I know how to treat illness and to get through it quickly. Um, so yay, water, yay, 101 CBD. Absolutely. Well, that's why we call it the miracle plant. So. Uh, again, super excited that we could share all these insights and secrets that we don't want to be secrets anymore about these, these five pillars of health and uh, just uh, super excited to share them all with you. So uh, that is the conclusion of pillar number four, which is hydration and water. If anyone has any questions or anything, feel free to throw some questions in the chat or you can reach out to us. The email address that we've been using for this summit is info at the miracleplant.org. Again, that's info at the miracleplant.org. Along with, if anyone out there wants to be a speaker, uh, we'll, we'll be doing more of these health summits. Um, we're planning on doing them every 90 days, in fact. So there will be a lot more um, to come, um, many more speakers to come. We'll have some of the same speakers will be coming back. Some new speakers will be adding in. Uh, you know, we really wanted to focus on having an event at January, mid-January every year 
because that's kind of when, like I said, people's New Year's resolutions or that let's get healthy uh, is when people start to slide. And we wanted to give you that extra boost to uh, get going again. So, um, yeah, super excited that we could share all these different pillars with you. And, um, you know, the, the, the biggest change that happened was I did not know that there was going to be a United States university that was going to be publishing uh, the, the, the studies that um, have been peer reviewed and that are on pubmed.gov. I put up in an earlier post and I'll put it out there again so you can actually, there's basically two ways to look at this study. There's the Oregon State version, which is the third grade version where you can just read it and be like high level and be like, cool, that's awesome. And then there's the, you know, master doctrine level, um, uh, you know, version as well. So that will be one that you can check out. Um, that I'll be posting both of those uh, as well. So you can also follow me on Instagram is probably the best place is at Justin, the number four hemp. And uh, I've been putting a lot of the research and the studies out there. So go, go check that out. And I'll put the post in one more time uh, of the studies that uh, here's, here's the, here's the third grade level one. And within the third grade level one, uh, it, it actually has the, the link to the PubMed doctorate level science one. And that first one there from Oregon State is the third grade. And there is the doctorate level, the PubMed one. So you can check those out, do all your homework and, and, and share with everybody. It's been on the channel news. In fact, I'll put another link on there. I, one of my friends sent me this this morning being like, oh, my gosh, it's on the news. So there's, uh, it's, it's really took a lot of traction. And so that's, it kind of threw everything for a little bit of a curveball, but it was a great curveball um, that uh, I was very, very happy to, to be, to, to, to be a part of, like I said, I, um, people were, this came out January 10th, that CBDA and CBGA, which come from raw, ca raw cannabis or raw hemp, whatever you want to call it, um, is, was scientifically proven to keep COVID, the COVID virus from attaching and um, infiltrating human cells in the ACE2 receptors. And again, we already knew that. My mom had worked and uh, researched with uh, her sister, Mary. You guys are Irish twins, right? We are. Well, that's, a, that's a unique one. For those that don't know what Irish twins are, I'm not telling you. you have to <laughs> but uh, anyway, so it's, uh, you know, and it was really exciting for us to know that we had this miracle plant that would help keep us healthy. And if, if we did get it, then we would bounce back quicker is basically everybody I know has gotten it. And everybody, basically everyone that I know that has gotten it and has had access to raw cannabis, had a, uh, a quick recovery and a milder case. Uh, that's for sure. And for those that want to hear more stories, go to our podcast, Miracle Plant Podcast. Look it up, Miracle Plant Podcast. And uh, you can hear that uh, the podcast that we did with Dr. William Courtney. You can also hear um, podcasts that we did with other people that took this miracle plant, which helped them either uh, stave off uh, getting infected, or if they did get to catch the virus, uh, then they were able to bounce back quicker. And so there was some great stuff on there as well. So did you have a question? Yeah, quick comment. Um, so just reading through the study, the Oregon study, just in its most basic form even, is that they were using, and they were using hemp, uh, CBDA and CBGA, and they were going to do THCA, but they couldn't get any or enough quantity to use it for their research. 
but they were just described how antibodies can attach uh, to the protein or whatever uh, in the cell, in actually on the COVID protein. And then they found out that not only antibodies, but CBDA and C CBGA both did that same thing. And so they were recommending it, especially if you'd been exposed to start taking the CBDA or CBGA. I would still lean more toward the CBDA myself. Uh, start taking it regularly and it should prevent that actual infection. And then as we've worked with so many people, when you do get it, I when I got COVID last year, I took it every couple hours. And again, too, very, very quickly. The hardest part was getting another test to show I was negative. Um, it works very, very quickly. So again, too, we had so many people that were already taking our CBDA like three times a day, even people in their 70s and 80s with things like cancer uh, still had very, very light cases because again, it was constantly in their body preventing those cytokine storms, uh, being a strong antioxidant and anti-inflammatory um, and again to the overall homeostasis. Uh, so again, too, we had that piece and then the piece too that once you even get exposed to it, it can help for you from getting it. And so again, too, it's just exciting. I just hope it doesn't get lost in the news or misinterpreted or something. Uh, but the fact that they came out and said hemp, CBDA, CBG, and recommended that based on their actual research. Um, and so now they're looking for funding to start a bigger study. And I guess their funding at times had been turned away because it is hard to get funding on anything related to hemp. Um, so I, again, too, it was just so nice. We've been talking about how hard it is to be heard above the noise of all the different CBD companies and different variations of companies. And that the whole raw plant holistic CBDA uh, does just does work better. And so it's just great to have somebody come up in such an important area and be able to publish this. So very excited. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Like I said uh, a couple times already on the summit, I was told about this study on Monday by dozens of people. And I didn't even read it because I, I mean, I glanced at it and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The ACE2 receptors. Yeah, we know we've already, we totally know that. And I've been, I've talked about it on podcasts and I've talked about it on Clubhouse and I've talked about it with people that I interact with uh, personally and professionally. So it was like, yeah, old hat. Yeah, but the fact that they identified CBDA and CBGA, which can only come from raw cannabis or hemp uh, in this particular case, uh, was really a game changer. And um, we're getting calls at our store that I've had to literally take the phone off the hook so we could do this. Um, fortunately, we set up our voicemail so they can do the voicemail. We'll get back to them. But uh, at, at the end of the day, uh, we're getting uh, inundated with questions and phone calls and people that have never used CBD before. In fact, there was a mom that called uh, on the lunch break when I put the phone back on the hook and she was uh, asking about how much she should take. Um, and I was like, oh, that's right. You, you've you never taken CBD before because out here in California, um, CBD is pretty well uh, understood. Uh, you know, we're obviously, you think of cannabis, you think of California and Jamaica, right? So um, it's been pretty popular out here in California. Occasionally there's people that haven't, uh, most people have heard of it. So they're a little confused about it, but um, um, almost everybody's heard of it. And, um, and most people have a good experience with CBD. Unfortunately, there are some, uh, some products out there that are 
less than 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 good uh, because they pro- overprocessed the plant and uh, they turned it into basically a pharmaceutical, which is a single molecule like CBD isolate, which is they isolate the CBD from the plant, turned into fake white powder sugar looking stuff, which our body doesn't know how to interpret that because it's not part of the plant anymore. So um, anyways, that's what uh, has been exciting that we're actually having people calling us who weren't taking CBD before and now they are and they all are doing it because they read this article. And just the fact that we're talking about CBDA is crazy to me. I mean, that's what I saw that was in the article or the study from Oregon State that they, they use CBDA and CBGA. That was really exciting for me because that's that's the discussion. That's where we want to go. I mean, look, I I I I pushed all my chips in on this particular um, plant. I had other businesses and affairs that I ran, and um, this was it. When I found out what this plant could do for people uh, in the raw form, whether it's you know autoimmune diseases or you name it, um, I knew. And then I knew the 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 lack of education. So in the beginning, it was teaching people about this plant. Then it was teaching. Now it's teaching people about the differences of the types of products that are out there. And uh, this is a really a landmark day for, for those of us in the raw cannabis movement. And there hasn't been many of us, darn it. Been like, we've been talking like this for years. But now that people are seeing it in a U.S. published university study, we can have these conversations. And people are, are calling me. Like this lady I talked about at lunch, she's, they're calling us asking for, do you have CBGA and CBDA? And I'm, you know, yes, we do. And I can count on one hand how many times someone has called one of our stores and asked for CBGA. And so because of this article, uh, we're going to be able to have a lot better conversations and shift the conversation from CBD, CBD, CBD to whole plant raw cannabis or raw hemp. So that's what I'm most excited for. And I'm really excited that everybody could join us today and uh, join us this morning and join us yesterday. Tomorrow we're going to do another morning session and uh, it'll be short and sweet. And uh, I will give everyone an opportunity to get the deal of a lifetime as far as being able to not only a deal, but also an accountability group. And we're going to be opening up this program for only the people that attend, uh, that you're going to be able to have access to this kinds of information. These You're going to have access to these speakers. You're going to have uh, you know one-on-one coaching. You're going to have monthly coaching calls. We're going to be able to, you're going to incorporate this. And all you have to do is flip on your phone and and uh, answer your emails. And we're going to keep you involved and make sure you're implementing these things because, you know, a 10-day water challenge might sound kind of tough, but if you've got somebody that's that's cheering you on and, and holding your feet to the fire, then then it's gonna you're going to have a lot better success. So make sure you tune in tomorrow and uh, we'll be starting at 9 a.m. on Sunday and we'll be giving you guys access to the, uh, the VIP treatment, if you will, to be able to it's going to, we're, we're giving you access to over $3,000 worth of products, worth of coaching, worth of just absolute accountability and these insights to be a part of your life. So don't miss it tomorrow at 9 a.m. We will see you then. And uh, thanks for tuning in to the Take Control of Your Health Summit. 
We'll also be covering the fifth pillar, which is sleep. So mm-hmm. you won't want to miss that conversation as well, which is the best way for our bodies to uh, heal themselves is finding that deep REM sleep. And uh, we have some really cool sleep experts and sleep topics that we will be covering in the, in the, in the fifth pillar and the final day of the three day health summit. So thanks everybody for coming. I hope you learned something, reach out to us, let us know, go to the, look at the research, go look at the, uh, the 10 day challenge to get thirsty.now get thirsty And we will see everybody tomorrow. Have a wonderful evening and thanks for swinging by the take control of your health summit. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.